and welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. And I almost forgot that we were recording. Like, last night I remembered in a panic that I that we were recording <laughs> today, and I was like, oh shit, I gotta finish the swapper, so that's that's where I've been at this weekend. And did you? I did. So, Yes. It's not a super long game. It really not isn't. Fair. It's just some of those late puzzles. Anyway, we're getting getting ahead of myself. And of course my computer decides to make a noise uh, that you guys probably didn't hear. But it probably showed up on the recording. Sorry. <laughs> should I start? Should I do this intro again or should we keep rolling with this? <laughs> I mean, we're screwed now. Let's keep going. Alright, we're going to keep going. <laughs> Uh what have you guys been up to? I celebrated my birthday. Or I would have, but I forgot about it and celebrated the next day. What? How do you forget your own birthday? Carl, what are you uh, even doing over there? I don't care about my birthday. I feel that, though. I care about your birthday. Yeah, I care more about other people's birthdays, I think, than my own. Yeah, me too. My mom's birthday is coming up, actually. So that's a fun My mom's one. as well. Oh, mom birthday friends. She's turning 70, so we have to... Dang. Do something. Yeah. That's a I, milestone. I flew back for my mom's 60th to, like, surprise her, and that was fun. So, yeah. Good, good call to celebrate big number milestones. Luckily, I have... Sisters that do the fold of planning. <laughs> they can work these things out for you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean my my uh my mom is also retiring right now, so she is not even gonna be around on her like they're going on vacation for her birthday, so that's fine. I think I would like to go on vacation for my birthday, but I don't think that's plausible. <laughs> yeah, same. I've been super busy, and I think I will continue to be super busy. Uh, I have done not that much interesting. Uh, we did have a 4th of July celebration. It's been 4th of July since last time we recorded. That's true. So some friends have a have a house where they just got their backyard, like, newly landscaped. So we hosted, like, a big old barbecue cookout thing in their backyard. Mm. You have friends with houses? I know. It's crazy, right? Dang adult um but yeah no so it's it's cool they they set up the backyard like they so there's like this hill basically right in their backyard uh so they did some landscaping where they basically stuck a bunch of stones in the side and made it like a big natural amphitheater type thing that faces the house and then they put a uh from the overhang of their roof they put a projector screen that they can pull down so you can like watch outdoor movies and stuff that kicks ass yeah. Oh. And they have, like, they got a little, like, fire pit bowl thing. So we did, like, you know, played uh, Overcooked and Mario Kart on the projector, and then we uh, made s'mores in the fire pit, and it was awesome. Nice. Yeah, Those I... are two games that makes me want to kill people. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of why they're co-op party, or why they're party games. Yeah. Uh, Man, Mario Kart. Uh, they did pretty well in Overcooked, though. I get vicious in Mario Kart. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it gets bad. Uh, I didn't do anything for the Fourth of July. I I can well, I don't know. I would have gone and like done fireworks. Like I'm up here by myself, but mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of the state is on fire, uh, there's a there's a fire they fireworks ban. No open fires outdoors of any kind. Uh, you're not allowed to like even discharge a firearm anywhere <laughs> outdoors. So uh, that's how likely I am to catch on fire uh, in, in my in my current residence. You're just super flammable at the moment. Yeah, basically. Yeah, basically. So yeah, I just I, I hung out and I watched some Star Trek. Ah, yes. Star Trek, the old Fourth of July tradition. <laughs> the the American institution of Star Trek, yes. Yeah. Alright. That works. Yeah. Uh, I've also got so the Steam sales were recently. Mm-hmm. Um I got a couple games including Blockhood, which I've been playing. Which is sort of a really interesting game that maybe we should play at some point for this podcast. But it's kind of like a mix of, um, gosh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's it's a sim game, but it's got a lot in common with, like, Rus and other strategy games, where a lot of it is, like, very tight resource management. Hmm. Um, it's, it's actually designed to be kind of like an educational game about, like, interlocking ecosystems and like how things affect each other and you know like how I don't know if you want to make like people happy because they want electronic devices then like you need like something to generate the technology and also like the plastic components and if you want plastic then you need oil and oil processing and that also generates like inorganic waste so you need some kind of like waste processing to take care of that and it's just it's like a bunch of interrelated systems in a way that's super interesting sort of like oxygen not included kind of yeah it's a it's but along similar lines maybe a little bit less stressful or is it as stressful oxygen uh, not it, included stressed me the fuck out <laughs> uh, it kind of depends on what you're trying to do with it i guess um i think it, like you can make just an just an animal ecosystem if you want. Like you have to do any industry. Nice. Um but it's I, I think I hate this game. <laughs> um I don't know. It's kind of neat. I I find it there there are things about it that can be more stressful if you're trying for something really like intricate and advanced but I don't know I find it pleasing it's right up my alley in terms of you know it's a like a puzzle strategy sim game <laughs> sure which is yeah. like my, my wheelhouse so yeah that's fair I uh, during the sale I picked up uh, Thimbleweed Park which nice. is uh, a like classic styled point-and-click adventure game by uh, Ron Gilbert, so very very throwbacky. But I think with the goal of being less frustrating than, yeah, like, a they, classic... They played it on Mostly Walking, and there's a lot of, like, thrown-in stuff there about, like, basically dissing old games. Yeah, About how, is. like, oh, you know, you can't accidentally, like, save yourself into a spot where you can't win in this game, and you 
you don't have to worry about things just randomly killing you. Yeah. So, I don't know. I like it. I have a, a strange relationship with uh, with point-and-click adventure games because I I have played, like, quite a few of them, actually, or at least a lot of the more important ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, I get so annoyed, but I can't stop coming back. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like an abusive relationship is what you're saying. Yeah, totally. So that's... I find it so strange that people still make, like, classic-style adventure games when it clearly doesn't work. I mean, it sort of works. Honestly, this one this one has been less frustrating than, than you know... I don't know, I'm trying to think of another, like, modern... Uh, modern um, throwback-y kind of thing, but I, I can't... I can't come up with an example right now. I, I can't name it, but the latest Double Fine. Oh, oh. Broken Age. Broken Age. Age. Yeah, Broken Age. Yeah, yeah Broken Age... That got pretty frustrating. Wasn't the issue that, like, the first chapter people thought was too easy, so then the second chapter they just made it's like, an extremely like, hard? Ramp up. Yeah, I remember. I remember that that complaint. Um, yeah, yeah, that's another, another game that they played on mostly walking. Yeah, where I was like, okay. Yeah. Uh, also, I don't know. I just I really like. Uh, the art in Thimbleweed Park. I'm I'm a sucker for that that pixel pixel art stuff. So what are you yeah, gonna that's do? Fair. What are you gonna do? Yeah, I it looked like a game that I would pick up if I liked adventure games. <laughs> <laughs> if no one likes adventure games, it's interesting because they also have a difficulty setting, which I think lets you bypass some puzzles. Um, if you if you choose the easier setting, that's so, really interesting and really weird. Yeah, or maybe it gives you more hints. I it, don't know. And there's there's actually there's also like flyers all over the game that's like if you need a hint, call this phone number. Like not an actual oh, yeah. phone number, but like the in-game in-game phone. I forgot that. Yeah, it has like an in-game hint line. Yeah. So I think I think it's trying really hard to be accessible, and I I uh, I didn't. I haven't been playing it on easy mode just because, I don't know, I'm not, like, in a hurry or anything. Um, but I, I am kind of interested in going back and seeing what the difference is. Yeah, they didn't finish Thimbleweed Park, and I'm, I don't remember why. Um, so, I'd be, I don't know, I'd be curious to see what your eventual... Have You, you haven't finished it yet. I haven't finished it. I could see not wanting to finish it because you do get like I think five four or five characters that you can play as and it it feels hard to manage uh, at yeah. some points and like any any character can pick up any item but sometimes a specific character needs to have the item so then you have to like walk them oh. both to the same place and swap items and it's a little bit uh, yeah it's a little bit that, that oh, they don't, is kind of they annoying. Follow each other? No, they don't follow each other at all. They're yeah, all they're completely in, independent. Like, individual locations, which you have to do for certain puzzles, mm-hmm. because like someone will like provide a distraction in one a- one area, and then you tab over to the other character, and it's like, okay, and now this character is free to do this for a little bit. Yeah. 
So uh, yeah, I could see why they why they didn't uh, end up finishing it. <laughs> it, 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 it this I don't know. It feels like the scope gets very big very quickly. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyway, that's what I've been up to. I'm always so cautious of games that trying to like evoke a feeling of past games. I mean, yes and no. I, this one definitely is because this is very much like a throwback type game. But I feel like people are also trying to make modern adventure games that are um, like less a throwback and more just a new instance in the genre. Like, I feel like the new King's Quest game was kind of that, where they're like, hey, what would an adventure game be if we, like, made it today and not awful? Yeah, or it's like, um... Yeah, I like the new King's Quest. Yeah, or, like, to compare it to another another Ron Gilbert game, um, The Cave, if any of you played that, which is basically a... It's not, like, a point-and-click or at least I guess it doesn't necessarily have to be. I played it on, I don't know, PS3, I think. But it's really similar in concept, and it's also very clearly a Ron Gilbert game, but uh, has a lot less of the, like, use X with Y, okay, now use Z with Y, okay, now use A with Y, until it, like, it, it's a lot more streamlined. Um, but I also, I don't remember. I feel like people didn't like the cave. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I had a point, and I don't remember what the point was. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, well, the cave is pretty highly rated on Steam, uh, so maybe I'm wrong about people not liking it. Anyway. Do we want to talk about the game we played? We can do that. I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah. Do we have shows? It's somewhat cave-like. I mean, we could just talk about ourselves for an hour and a half. I think it might disappoint some listeners, but... Uh, right, so the game that we played this past couple of weeks was The Swapper by Finnish game studio Facepalm Games. Um, and it is basically like a little indie puzzler um it involves you are an astronaut exploring a sort of derelict space station trying to figure out what its whole deal is and the you have a gun that shoots clones of yourself more or less you can have up to four clones um you can swap your consciousness into any one of the other clones uh, and whichever clone you're controlling, all other clones will attempt to copy that clone's movement to the best of their abilities. And that's basically the whole game. Like, they, they do add some other mechanics kind of over time. The, the main ones being, like, a set of lights that blocks you from either creating clones, swapping into clones, or both. Uh, and then much later, there's, like, a... A gravity swap mechanic where you can, like, certain clones can be in, like, different gravity orientations. But basically, that's the whole thing. And there are, they do a very large number of puzzles uh, based entirely around this concept. 
I was kind of impressed, to be honest, at how much variation they managed to get out of just that. I'm super impressed on, like, how many puzzles there are and how good they are. Yeah, uh, they're very solid puzzles. Yeah. They, they're the sort of puzzles that you feel real clever for figuring out. Mm-hmm. And they and they manage to keep them from feeling like you're just doing the same thing over and over again. Like, each one you have to sort of take a look at and pause for a moment to kind of figure out what you're going to do. Um, they, they kind of train you in certain types of things that you can do with the swapper gun. Like, for instance, um, you can either go straight up or straight down by just creating a clone in midair and then swapping to it and continually doing this until you reach another flat surface. Um, and that can be tough when it's like a really tall space because you're only allowed four clones, but you get clones back if they die. So if you let them die from fall damage, you can sort of infinitely go upward or downward. I mean, a lot of the puzzles involve finding ways to killing your clones. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, killing clones is actually an important mechanical part of the puzzle solving. And sort of an important part of the narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, so because it's a game about creating clones and swapping around your consciousness, they kind of perforce have to address the... I mean, I guess they didn't have to, but it makes sense to address the kind of philosophical implications of that. Like, does that mean the soul is a thing? Um, and to the game's credit, I don't think they actually, like, try and answer that question. They just kind of raise it and let it be a, a, an outstanding question. Um, I was not, like, super impressed with the philosophy of this game, but I think they, they could have done a lot worse with it, so. Yeah, I, I was impressed that they that they did anything with it at all, and that, I mean, the, spoiler alert, gonna talk oh, about yeah. the big the big narrative reveal is um there's a, a clone that you run into periodically that is helping you and it turns out that that clone is actually three consciousnesses uh in a single brain because that's what happens if you use the swapper tool on another person is that you just become like both of your souls quote unquote end up in the same body <laughs> And so yeah, the the you clone sort of merge with them. Yeah, and so and the become, clone and you become like an a new person who is neither of those people, more or less. Yeah, uh, and yet both. Yeah, it's interesting because there's a log that clearly states like, well, now I am three people in one brain, but I'm not. I'm none of them, and I'm not who I was before. I'm just who I am now. Except when you hear them in conversation. They're very clearly three different people speaking yeah, through like, one body in one voice. Yeah. So, ah, they tried. Yeah, like the character seems kind of multiple personality disorder sort of thing going on. Um, and it's unclear if... Yeah, so I guess the idea is, like, you found this swapper gun and one of your clones ran forward and discovered these two scientists who were hiding out on the station and this happened... Um, because yeah. you, are, so you, your character is basically like a, a scrapper, a just like a, a scavenger type person who came to this derelict station, discovered everyone was dead, and you're like wandering around and reading like logs as you, like you do in games like this, um, of the, the station before you got there. 
And this story unfolds about how they discovered a species of psychic rock uh, on this planet. And uh, the the rocks have no, like, outward sensory modality, but they do have telepathy. So they sense your minds, but they have no way of, like, understanding. They, like, have a very, like, very limited ability to, to actually interact or contact the humans. All they know is that, like, all of a sudden they sensed, like, a new presence, and then suddenly all the other people, quote-unquote, the rocks that they had known before were, like, gone, were separated from them, um, because the, you know, the humans took the rocks aboard their ship for study. Um, they talk about, like, the breaking of the Great Chain. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, some, they did something in a reactionary way, possibly in an involuntary re reactionary way, that started slowly killing all the members of the station. Some people got mad. Yeah, it it seems like, yeah, it was like some kind of psychic influence. I read it as also maybe some kind of like physical radiation. Yeah. I feel like that was unclear. Yeah, I, I could go either way on it. I think it, it could have been a little bit of both too, because like at the end, at the end, basically you, uh, another ship comes to rescue you and then... Uh, the ultimate spoiler for the very end of the game. Yeah. Um, they they say like, oh, the readings are off the chart, which suggests to me some kind of actual physical radiation. Um, yeah. And then your final choice is, do you swap well, into let's, this? Well, let's get to that because okay, we're, okay, um, okay. Yeah. So yeah, so you're reading all these logs. Um, you're discovering about these these rocks. You you run into like the like lead rock. There's like a giant carved head that is apparently, like, the focus. And you learn that they they used the what they learned about the, like, rock psychic powers to create this swapper gun. And a lot of... So they, they managed to, like, reproduce some of the stuff that the rocks are, were doing without fully understanding it. Um, so a lot of the scientists are debating with each other, particularly a couple of them, um, about whether this is indication of, like, the soul existing... Basically, because one scientist is like, oh, yeah, no, what's happening is your soul is swapping from one body to another. And another scientist is like, that's dumb, and, like, assumes the existence of a soul, and it's probably much more complicated than that, and you can't just make assumptions like that. Like, that's magical thinking. Stop that. And then they argue a lot through a lot of the logs. Yeah. And um, it, it basically becomes two scientists arguing opposite positions on the issue of consciousness swapping and soul uh, and then those end up being the two scientists that share your brain. Yeah, so you, you discover that like in the process of while they were arguing about this everybody started dying and so the, the remaining crew shut themselves off in a section of the ship um, to protect them from the stones and the eventually when you get there I think there's some other stuff maybe happened in between there but eventually you get to this sealed off spot um, and you discover that the two scientists who are remaining because there were only two left by that point um, just isolated their consciousness into like physical brain specimens that they had on hand for experiments oh yeah they they one of the debates was that they had used 
uh, the brains of like terminally ill patients who had volunteered to take part in this research so that I don't know so that they could like potentially live on in some capacity. Um, so that was a big ethical argument between the two of them. But yeah, the two remaining scientists basically placed themselves into these brains that yeah. were able to sustain themselves indefinitely, probably probably because that's just how the experiment was set up. Yeah, so the idea is that like if they had just stayed locked in this area, they would have just starved to death. Um, so to avoid starving to death, they put themselves in these brains, and they've just been arguing with each other since then. Um, the I guess, judging by the logs, the whole station is some kind of like research facility that is like maybe the last hope of mankind it's kind of unclear um i don't even know but uh it, you, it seems like whatever you're doing there is very important to the point of like also some some major like labor shenanigans where they're like overworking people and making people do very dangerous things because they perceive whatever it is they're doing there as that important yeah insert fantasy trope yeah. yeah, basically. Like, th I think there's one of the late logs that you get is like, look, it's real important, this work that we're doing here at Theseus, and it's gonna suck, but we gotta do it because mm -hmm. of reasons. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, it's one of those things that's like a storytelling device that is sort of, you know, both love and hate, where in a realistic sort of way, they the characters all know what they're talking about already, so they see no reason to like, ex like sit there and expound upon it, which is you know the way people actually talk about things, but can also be very confusing for an audience. Yeah, I mean it's better than having one exposition character who's like, "Man, it's a good thing we did X, Y, and Z that we both already know about," because you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and also, of course, the trope of, like, big unexplained catastrophe. Yeah. That, that we don't need to go into it. We just need to know that something bad has happened. Yeah. And thus yeah. we are accepting of our poor conditions. Yeah. And as you run through the station, you do run into these psychic rocks periodically. And every time you go in front of one of them, your vision, like, fuzzes out a little bit. And you hear the thing that the rock is thinking. Um, and they're, at first they're kind of abstract, but as you go through, they think more like concretely about their specific problems. Um, and I, I thought that was kind of interesting. It's sort of like very ominous and, uh, you know, has a good, uh, it's very atmospheric, I guess, is the word I was thinking of. Yeah. And there's, I don't know, sometimes it's like, deeply sad shit too like they are lamenting their disconnection from the great chain and like begging to be taken home yeah basically and they're they're clearly like you know they're you understand enough about them to understand them but they're also meant to be like very alien like they have no concept of death for instance um, and they only recently, like, developed a, a concept of, like, people disappearing and not coming back because that's what happened to them. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's that was kind of... I, I, I don't know. I thought that part was pretty well done overall. 
Um, I'm so... not gonna lie, I dislike pretty much everything about the narrative. <laughs> yeah. I it, mean, that's that's fair. It's it, it's I can it's see extremely it. forced. I think. I have mixed feelings. Um, I think that they they pushed hard in a way that you know it's. Or, I I I guess I appreciate them for like trying to address these things at all, even if I don't feel like they address them in a super meaningful way. Yeah. I think, like, the mechanics doesn't respond to the narrative. That, well, that's not entirely true, because the mechanics so, like, is all about swapping consciousness. So again, like, sure, if you left sure, that it's, unaddressed... It sure, it's about swapping, um, but it's also about, like, puzzle solving. Yeah, that's true. You have a lot of separate, independent puzzles. Yeah, and that, that sort of makes no sense. Yeah, and like, why, why are all of these orbs hidden behind puzzles? Like, I think at one point they mention it as, like, a security measure. Yeah. Um, but that, that feels no. flimsy, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I would say that my biggest gripe about the narrative is that towards the end it feels so angsty. Um, which isn't even necessarily a bad thing, because I, I do think that the overall atmosphere of the game supports that angst. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, the atmosphere supports it more than the narrative, though. Yeah. To be fair. Yeah. So... Otherwise, I mean, narrative aside, very fun and rewarding puzzle game uh, with really cool yeah. visuals. Yeah. So you are collecting you are collecting orbs, which, uh, as as my friend Mike said, like an orb is a surefire like sign of a writer who is not trying very hard, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah. You need the orbs to unlock the terminals, and the terminals let you progress. Like, yeah. you have... Like, you usually find orbs in, or, like, more generic fantasy settings, not in the sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's an unusual, like, place to just put or like, orbs as the collectible MacGuffin. Like, I guess it, it you know, it literally could have been anything. There's no Christian reason... keys. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been, like, yeah, keys or, or things like that, but... Or, or, like, letters to a password. And then you use the password to unlock the terminal. Something like that. Yeah. But I'm just imagining people, like, lugging around huge bags of orbs <laughs> as their, <laughs> as, like, their day-to-day, -day, uh, work on, on the space station. <laughs> We're like, ah, I gotta go, gotta go up to the solar panel dock. I gotta put 60 orbs into a sack and just haul it up there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they say there's like a one of the messages is something like, "Oh, hey, can you lend me an orb so I can like go planet side to see my yeah. family?" And the person's like, "No, can do. Like, I want to go see my family too. Like, I need this orb." Do they like reward orbs for good behavior, or do you win them at like space station Theseus bingo night? <laughs> you receive a standard allotment of orbs yeah. as part of your daily work. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. That is a fair criticism. Yeah, that's true. Uh, right. So as you're as you're like wandering around, talking to rocks, reading all these logs, um, as Kelso mentioned, you you run into a another person in a spacesuit. It's not immediately clear that that person is a clone of you. Uh, it seems like it's just some other person on the space station. And you at first, that person seems very hostile. 
and then later you run into them again and they seem like very friendly like they don't even like they haven't talked to you before so the implication is there's maybe more than one clone of you running around mm -hmm. or that there is more than one person my, my original thought was the implication was that time travel was involved that like this was this person before uh you know, like one was that person from further in the future, and then, then the person you meet later is from further in the past, but then that did not play out, so it was not the case. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess the implication is that there's just multiple clones running around, and some of them have run into you before, and some of them haven't. Because the first one, when you run into them the first time, says something like, oh, it's you, or something, and you're like, I'm pretty sure this is the first time I'm meeting you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you follow them, um, you find the two brains uh, in jars, and they say to you, like, or I guess... That part was a flashback. Yeah, that was a flashback. So or, you, you, or a log. You find, yeah, you find a flashback uh, where your character previous to this uh, runs into the two brains in the jar, and they say, like, hey... You unlocked the airlock, so now we're all going to die unless you fuse with us. Like, that's basically your only option for your own survival. So you do that, and then you're running around as triple brain person. I think the, is the implication that you, like, also have amnesia when you do that for the first time, so you're running around not remembering that? So I remember... Uh... In in that scene with the two scientist brains, uh, you, the main character, you know, prior to the actual game starting, says something like, "Like, what's going on? What is this device? Who did I just push out the airlock?" Yeah. Um, so, I, I'm not entirely sure if. Oh, so maybe that person created a clone, and you're the clone of that person. Yeah, I destroyed the original person. I think that might be what it is, or or okay. like the clone got pushed out the airlock and survived somehow, and that's you who is playing the game, um, separate from the the version of you that is maybe the original. And that's something yeah. that they say is intentionally vague. It's like, well, you pushed your clone out the airlock. Or maybe your po clone pushed you out the airlock. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, because you're both the per a person, and you're both the same person. And it's like, yeah, question mark. Um, and then, yeah, so then you, the crazy person, decide that the only way to, uh, like, to solve this... And I'm not sure why the only this is the only way to solve this is to like destroy all the solar panels on the spaceship and then crash it down into the planet of the rock people. I'm not sure why they think this will help. I, I guess it sort of does, but yeah, I mean, I guess it does because um, f for one, the rescue ship apparently doesn't can't get to the space station, but it can get to the planet because that's where you are when they come to rescue you. But also, you're getting the Watchers, the, the Psychic Rocks, back to where they belong. Mm -hmm. So they'll stop killing so you. So they'll stop killing you. But then the other the other, uh, the other, other of the two scientists is like, no, what we need to do is we need to swap into the Watcher. And that'll do something? Like, that'll... Yeah. I, I think the idea is that that'll kill the Watcher, because the Watcher, like, won't be able to handle being inside of a human body. 
Uh, or, or maybe it will make you one with the Watcher, and then it doesn't. Then you're like immune to it. Yeah, that you part. Become rock god. Yeah. Yeah, you become a rock god. Yeah, the the Watchers are uh, led by something called the Head Watcher, which is a hilarious pun because it's a rock shaped like a giant human head, which itself has weird implications. I'm not sure if I like that because like none of the other rocks have any kind of human appearance, so I don't know why the biggest one should. I mean, I've stopped caring. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fair. long time ago when I got this. Yeah, that's fair. Um... I, maybe the, the implication is that there, like, was a human-esque species on the planet a long time ago that maybe created the Watchers, or... Maybe humans turn into rock when they get old enough. <laughs> it could be. And become very large. Yep. Yeah, it's it's super enormous. I kind of wanted to swap into it. I was hoping there was an ending where you could swap into it um, because it's like a super fascinating artifact and kind of creepy. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was also that's not an option you have. I was also hoping for that because I was curious to see how they would represent that in gameplay, but then that ended up not happening. So <laughs> never <Yeah>. mind. <laughs> um. So you crash land the space station into the planet. Uh, and you survive, and the rocks are happy because they have rejoined with the chain, uh, and they're celebrating. Uh, and then a rescue ship comes to pick you up based on your distress beacon. And at first they're like, it's great, we're going to get you into quarantine, and everything's going to be okay. And then a guy's like, uh, actually, Bob, we don't have quarantine on the ship, so we can't do that. And they're like, um... We're not going to get you into quarantine. We're just going to take off, which is such a, like, weird 180. Yeah. (laughs) If you knew you were coming to pick up someone from a dangerous situation, why didn't you just, like, make sure you came equipped with quarantine stuff? I mean, I guess, I guess ostensibly. Maybe they didn't expect it. Yeah. Like, they could have just been the closest ship in hailing distance, because they do say that Theseus is, like, seven years of travel from anywhere. Yeah. So they could have just been the only ship in hailing distance and they weren't equipped for it. So they're like, well, sorry, we're not going to risk our own people for saving saving your life. Yep. And also and... maybe they didn't know about the radiation. Yeah. Because yeah. that was I... only on the station, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, presumably presumably they didn't know about it, but it still feels like a really weird yes. conceit and a strange one. It does. <laughs> um. So they... The guy's like, man, I'm really sorry. I want, you know, we wanted to help, but looks like we can't. And they start, he starts to back off. And at that point, you're given a choice. And they slow it down to give you time to actually make the choice. Uh, I kind of think it would be, would have been better if they, like, didn't present it to, as, like, a, like, list the choice on screen. If they just let you figure it out, that it was the thing you could do. Um... I think it would but have I, been easy to miss because they yeah. they disable your ability mm-hmm. to use the swapping gun at all. So if you didn't, yeah, but it's yeah, it's like locked into like the gun enters uh, narrative uh, mode basically. Yeah, uh, it, it has an it. it has an effect at least. So you sort of the gun has an importance in the scene. Yeah, it. 
I, it's obviously done to emphasize it, and I agree that like if they didn't emphasize it, probably a lot of players would have missed that it was a choice at all. Mm-hmm. So I can see why they did it. It just it feels a little bit cheaper that they give you something which is like a mechanical choice, but they make it non-mechanical. Um, but anyway, also, so you're... also choices, ending choices is something I have a personal dislike for. Dislike for. Yeah, and I could see that too. It's like you didn't make any cho- choices anywhere up until this point, but yeah. now at the end, we're gonna give you one final like decision to make. Um, we can do the Bioshock one where you have to choose between like becoming Satan or like the best person ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I feel like at least the, both of these endings are like slightly more ambiguous than that. So your options are to either stay on the planet and die. You know, which it actually, because of the way it corners you, like literally the only thing you can do is hurl yourself into a deep pit. Um, or swap into the guy as he's leaving and like pretend to be him and, you know, like hide out on his ship to get off of the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I went for the jump into the pit ending. So I don't know about I found it so weird. I found both endings. <laughs> you went and for the them. swap ending. Well, yeah. if I get presented with two endings and one is do nothing, I'm I'm gonna take the other one no matter what. Yeah, I I took the 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 die option. Okay, because like I had already seen at that point what it's like when you join consciousnesses together, uh, and it seems like it's not a very good outcome. Yeah, it seems like it's not a fun experience for the person that you're about to swap into, and potentially for yourself becoming a new person. Uh, and you're also, like, basically destroying that guy's life. And also, my additional thought was, like, they said that I'm contaminated, so it's possible that whatever killed everyone on the ship, like, is still contaminating me and might just kill everyone I come in contact with. And I don't necessarily want to spread this throughout the galaxy. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like a clear choice if you're going to become a good person. But, like, I don't like when the choice is, like, do something or not to do something. Yeah. I want it to be do something or do something else. Well, technically, it's shoot or or jump into pit. Um... (laughs) It's the other thing. I mean, you don't have to jump into the pit. Well, the game doesn't Not, end if you don't jump yeah, into the Yeah, sure. Pit. Narratively, you don't have to end yeah. jump into it. But, it, I mean, it's death either way, because, like, you're just going to starve to death on the planet. So, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so you, if you jump into the pit, you hear a monologue from the rocks, where they're like, oh, hey, there's, a, there's another mind here all of a sudden, but it's dying. And the rocks are like, what is dying? What is that for? And so they talk a little bit about that, and then you die. Yeah, what is what is dying? It's like the absence of knowledge. But why would you do that? Maybe as an alternative to something worse. And then they talk about, like, even though this mind is dying, it's still itself. Which takes you back to the actual choice. The mind is dying, but it's still itself, at least for now. I'm paraphrasing real hard here. Yeah, so the implication is maybe you join the rock overmind um, as in, as part of your death process. Who knows? 
You certainly, it certainly seems like you fall into basically the core of the planet, because you are falling for quite a while. Yeah. Um, and if you get on the ship, then... I, like, that ship ending, I watched it later on YouTube. So did I. The ship ending is super weird to me, because I'm not sure if the implication is that they know that it's not you, and this happens all the time, or if the implication is just that, like, that you seem like you're acting weird, but they don't really care. I mean, I think the implication is that you act weird and they don't care, but they also have experienced this before. I think the best part about the ending <laughs> was uh, the video that I watched of it. The person playing was just, like, running back and forth across the rooms. So they're like, guys, I think something's up with Doug here. <laughs> and then the, <laughs> the other person's like, I don't know, he seems fine to me. <laughs> just, like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> Which... <laughs> it, looks a, it looks a fun way you like AD, AD, AD. Yeah, it's just like, I don't, uh, it's the funniest thing to be like, that's supposed to be this like ambiguous kind, kind of ominous scary, ominous. yeah, ominous is, yeah, that's, that's a better word. And it's just like the guy running back and forth. Yeah, I think I saw the same video as you. Yeah. It's pretty goofy. It's good. I like it. But that's not bad. I listened to a podcast of the guy that made Last of Us. Yeah. Or was responsible for writing. And he kept saying, like, you never present, like, narrative in a way that the player can do goofy stuff at yeah. the same time. That's, yeah. I've, and I've... he, like, kept talking about Zelda. Yeah. I, I feel like I've heard a similar thing um, in relation to who I think it was Bioshock, where there's, like, cuts, air, air quotes, cutscenes, like, in-engine, and you still have control. So it's like you're just jumping around like an idiot, but then, like, big important things are happening in the room with you. And it's, like, the question of, like, do you, should you give the player control during cutscenes? Yeah, I think it's a very, like, it's kind of an interesting question, and I think there's a lot to be argued on both sides. Mm -hmm. Because games like Bioshock are developed on the principle that, like, it's very important to never take control away from the player. Yeah. That, like, taking control away from the player is always a bad experience. Um, and I can kind of see that point of view. Um, but on the other hand, if you give control over the player, you run the risk that, A, they might miss things because they're looking the wrong way. Um, and B, like, they might completely undermine the tone of that you're going for in a particular scene because they're a player and they'll do whatever they want. Yeah. Um, I know, I think Valve in particular is very strongly in the school of, like, never take control away from the player. Um, and they've developed a lot of methodology to make sure that you're, like, always, like, to try and keep you looking in the right direction and things like that. Yeah. Uh, so the swapper solves this problem by, uh, for the most part, making cutscenes happen in an area of the screen that you can't get to, that's like blocked off by a wall or something, so that no matter what you do, the you can't really interact with the agents on the screen. For the most part, you can only sort of run back and forth a little bit while they do whatever they were going to do at their own pace, mm -hmm. uh, which works really well, but is not the case for that final cutscene, which is why that final cutscene is kind of weird. Yeah. So. 
because they sort of can't really cut you off plausibly from everybody else in that scene. And I guess they could they could like keep you in an airlock while the rest yeah. of the people are in you know a further section of the ship. But I, yeah, either way. Yeah, but they have to imply that you're like rejoining the rest of yeah. humanity, and so. So, yeah, it's a it's a it never really an easy decision to make. I guess it just kind of depends on what the rest of your design philosophy is. So. Yeah. And I will say, like, while I wasn't necessarily like a hundred percent sold on the like the philosophical content of this narrative or the um or even really like the you know the general content of it which was which is pretty you know bog standard uh you are you know exploring a creepy derelict space station and something awful happened here you know like that's not particularly unique um but i did i did think that they wove all of their elements including the narrative together very well into like a single tone like I always come back to I love things that have like a coherent tone and go all out on that one tone and I felt like this had a very solid like focused tone that I really liked yeah even the puzzles the puzzles did not disrupt from that tone like they didn't do anything to really support it but they like they didn't for me at least they didn't like break it and I think with the puzzles, like, if you really are buying into the idea of, like, is it ethical for me to be making these clones and using and killing them just for, you know, the furtherance of my own goals, um, considering that so many puzzles involve uh, finding ways to creatively kill your clones so that you can make more, it it does feed into that in a in a way that you have to decide that you're going to care about that or not, I guess. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, it, it depends on your own investment in the narrative, I guess. Yeah, but only, like, you don't have any options, right? Yeah, yeah you, can't so play the, you can't play the game without sort of callously disregarding the lives of, uh, you know, of your clones. But I think that that's an interesting way of making a statement about it. And it, it's better, to me, it's better that they, um, like, address it narratively than just having, like, just raising that question mechanically and just never saying anything about it. Yeah. And they, I think they address it narratively in a good way that's like, yeah, they're clones. Like, you're a clone too. You're a clone of a clone of a clone. It doesn't matter if you're the original or the copy rather than being like, why are you killing all of these clones of yourself? You monster, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It could have been, uh, it could have been worse, I think. Yeah, and it it is a little bit like, I guess in that sense, the puzzles do support the narrative because, as you say, a lot of the puzzles are about finding ways to kill off your clones in a really callous and kind of dark way because, like, if they die from fall damage, they, like, crumple into a heap and there's like a sound effect for it and it's a little distressing mm-hmm. yeah but like making when you make a clone that clone has to die anyway yeah well or you swap into it and it becomes the new you yeah but anyway you're still killing yeah killing it, a dude. it will still yeah it will still always end up with there being only one of you also um, there's weird lights that kill clones yeah which, which is yes. how they keep you from having... I mean, I understand it, 
mechanically, but narratively it makes no sense. Uh, yeah. I can I can justify it for you. I don't think the game mm. actually does a good job of justifying it, but since the we know that the swapper gun is based on the rocks, it's possible those lights were developed in an effort to like block the psychic powers of the rocks somehow to be more to try and be safe from them. Yeah. Like that that makes sense to me, even though I don't think the game actually goes so far as to say that. Uh but yeah, no. I mean a lot of it is just sort of a conceit in order to set up cool puzzles. Honestly, I would have been fine if this like slapped a level one, two, three, four and just and make just it... did a Mario. Yeah. I I would not. For me it wouldn't have done it just because I I, I would have probably have still liked the puzzle puzzles a lot, but I like the I, as I say, I love tone in games and I, I think I would have missed the tone of this. Um, speaking of which, I mean, you uh, can still have right? Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't have been the same. I probably like, I don't know, it would have felt more sterile and removed if you didn't try and like place it diegetically in the game world somehow. Yeah, I think having uh, an overarching objective does a lot for the tone to like solidify it, I guess, and it it, it wouldn't feel the same. To me, at least, if it was just here's a puzzle, okay, here's a puzzle, okay, now here's a puzzle, and and a lot of in a lot of ways, like getting from point A to point B, uh, almost function as like light informal puzzles in in some cases. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Left click. Right click. Left click. <laughs> well, you have to get into in some place. You have to like find a way into that little um, like conveyor belt field. And you have to like get out of it at the right times and things like oh, that. Oh god, I wish they had like a more to where you would end up um, of the like gravity. Oh yeah. Belts. Oh or... yeah, just like a little mark on the mini map of like this belt goes here. Yeah, because the the um yeah those little gravity like conveyor things are never even indicated on the map. Yeah. Um. What else? There's the teleporter maze. Yeah, love me a teleporter maze. I actually maze. don't. <laughs> yeah, it's not really a maze though. Yeah, because like the right portal always takes you to the right. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's true. But, yeah, they are connected in a a grid fashion. Um, which... Like any stage space station. Yeah, it, it would make much more. It makes much more sense than having a maze in there. Was not that that matters. Yeah, uh, given the rest of it. Um, I, so I wanted to say, speaking of tone, uh, should we also talk about the graphics? Yes. I think they played into it really in an interesting way. Yes. I've been I, waiting for this. <laughs> I, I'm going to say, like, I like this game because it feels like you can see. I'm not sure this is true, but they really don't want to animate a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah. So anything they do is like, how do we animate, how do we animate as little as possible? Well, yeah, yeah, I think most of the animations feels very procedural, like very paper doll style animation. That's because it's, like... that's because it's all claymation. Yeah, all of their assets, claymation. all of their assets are sculpted and then photographed and put into the game. I yeah. love it. And like the the little the little like shuttle that you come in on in the very beginning is like literally a tin can. Yeah, <laughs> which is hilarious. 
I there's a there's actually if you go to the the Wikipedia page for this game, there's actually just like a photo of some of the things that they sculpted, and it's like clay and bits of wire and little like like metal like screws and washers and bits just like kind of stuck together, um, and like ropes of clay coiled together to make like big cables. Uh, strong recommend the Wikipedia page for this game. Yeah, it's it's very cool and it's very unique. Like it definitely doesn't look like a lot of other games. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a good job with like this is something you haven't seen before. And I think they kind of because claymation is in many ways kind of like a little inherently distressing because of its kind of uncanny valley nature. Mm-hmm. They, I think they kind of make use of that. Not not overly much, but just a little bit. Yeah, and like like one of the big things that you have to account for um, like when you're modeling anything is uh, texture scale, and it's impossible to get realistic texture scale when you're just like photographing a thing that you've sculpted, which adds to that in the uh, Uncanny Valley-ness of like this doesn't look real but it is like ostensibly within the context of the game yeah this this black and white image the the original clay assets yes oh they're so cute right they're so like adorably like uh bad um not bad but like they're there's they're really Crude and simple, yeah. Yeah, crude is the right word. Yeah, they have this very crude look to them, in a way that's kind of fascinating. Yeah, it's it's like um, like we played Blues for Mitavinda, which was also like the the guy who made that uh, Jack King Spooner. Like that's what he does is he he does claymation games. So that's what that reminded me of. This reminded me of was Jack King Spooner doing the same kind of thing, and. How, uh, oh man, how much effort goes into it. And I respect anyone who, who decides to embark on this kind of endeavor of making a claymation game. Yeah. yeah. So it, it has, it has this kind of like slightly crude, uncanny valley visual and then like super minimal soundscape, uh, in a way that just overall is really good for the like, you are alone in space sort of tone. Mm-hmm. And then they, they tie it all together really well with lighting, I think, and, like, post-effects. Post uh, yeah. And just, like, like constant little, like, dust motes in the air. Uh, yeah. It all, it all comes together really nicely, I guess is the point that I'm, yeah. <laughs> that I'm trying to make here. Yeah, it's all a very coherent, self-coherent package, which mm-hmm. I think is, like, scores a lot of points for it in my book. Yep. Yeah. Um, any any particular, like, puzzles? How did you guys do on the puzzles? Like, I felt like they were, for the most part, just tricky enough. Yeah. Um, it was, like, two or three. It was hard. The one that the one that I keep coming back to is the one with the four pre- four uh, pressure plates, yeah. and the gravity switchers in between them. Oh god, I spent like <laughs> I actually I looked up a guide for that one, and even even watching someone else complete that puzzle, it took me 
uh, unembarrassingly long time to actually execute that it one, myself. That one's great because it also looks so simple. Yeah. You look at it and you go, oh, there's four switches. I'll just put four guys on them. But it's not that simple. Not at and all. And again, it's about creatively killing your dudes. Yep. 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 The, I, I, there was one that I looked up, one puzzle that I, I tried for like an hour, and I got so frustrated I looked it up, and then it ended up being the last puzzle, and I was so mad at myself. I'm like, <laughs> oh no, I could have just tried it a little longer. I would have gotten that eventually. Yeah. I think um. I... For some reason, the lights, the blue and red lights, like, never really clicked for me. Because, uh, so the way the red light works is that it, it functions, like, as a wall. And you just can't, uh, you can't swap past it. But the blue light is different. Yeah. And it only prevents you from putting a clone within the blue light. And that tripped me up so many times because yes. I forgot. You can shoot onto the other side of yeah. it. Yeah, and I would... If you can shoot past it. I would constantly you forget that. red light, which is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or I would... Pink. Yeah, I would constantly forget that, and it, it it fucked me up so many times until I realized that oh right, I'm just dumb again. Yeah. Still, I also would would mention like not a huge thing, but accessibility wise, uh, I have a good friend who has been playing this game, and he is red green colorblind mm. and cannot tell the difference between the red light and the pink light. That's a good point. Yeah, which is kind of rough. Yeah, my dad is also red, green, colorblind. Uh, yeah, actually, I think uh, a a relatively high amount, a relatively high proportion of men are red, green, colorblind. I remember reading that that's like actually kind of common. So yeah, it's, it's a little surprising to me that that uh, it is all like color based lights. Yeah, and I mean it's it's an elegant solution, but it's a little bit um, like not. Are not a bit ideal. inaccessible, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think like color blindness is so hard to do, though. Eh, I mean, a lot of games have like a a color blindness mode. Yeah, but most of them is really bad. Yeah. <laughs> what I heard from like my friends, that's color blind. I mean, it so, like be... Overwatch is notorious for having a really bad color blindness. Yeah. I could I could see you doing something in this game where like the edges of the light have some kind of like wavery pattern or something that's mm -hmm. different based on the type of light that it is or something. Yeah. Or uh, if you turn on colorblind mode. Yeah, or like the um the the color choices themselves are arbitrary. Like it doesn't blue has no connection to you can't make clones outside of, you know, this game just saying that that's the case. So it's like you could just make them vertical and horizontal bars. So, like, vertical bars is the blue ones and horizontal bars is the red ones. And then the combined is, like, a grid. Yeah. Which would look a little bit less cool, but it would it would function for yeah. for someone with colorblindness, yeah. Yeah, and it, it wouldn't even have to be a thing where, like, you always run the game that way. This could easily be a toggle that you can yeah. turn on as a colorblind thing. I actually didn't check to see if there was a colorblindness toggle, but I assume from the fact that my friend was playing it in normal mode that there wasn't. Yeah, I, I don't remember seeing one, so... Um, but yeah, I would say, like, overall, I am I am very impressed with the puzzles in this game. Like, I... Story could go either way, but like, if you're making a puzzle game, like, this is a game to play for sure 
uh, just to kind of see, like, if you really put your mind to it, all the different variations you can get out of one mechanic. Mm-hmm. And something that I really enjoyed with it that I forgot to mention is every puzzle is, like, contained. You When you go into a puzzle, you know you can complete it. Yeah. Yeah, there's no, oh, I have to get a power-up and come back later. Or something. Even though in the beginning I thought there was, I'm like, oh, I can't solve this. I'll have to come back later when I know how to do blank. But then it's like, oh, I, I can actually do blank. I just have to, you know, like I can move vertically. I just hadn't realized that I could move vertically. And then I come back and I do the the puzzle. But it's it's all right there for you in that room, which is which is good, which mm-hmm. is pleasing. Um, and they do make you get every single puzzle in order to finish the game. Like there's no. You have to collect 124 orbs, but there's 150 orbs in the game. So if some are too hard, just leave them. You know, it's like you have to do all of these things. Mm-hmm. You must master this game. Yep. Makes me wonder about the puzzles that they took out, right? Like if they designed an extra like 30 or so puzzles that didn't make it into the game, that were too easy or too hard. Because I'm sure there were some. Oh yeah. Probably they more than 30 extra. Yeah. I'd it'd be curious to see like what their like what their process was in terms of like you know when they did they design all the puzzles at once and pick the best ones did they design them like in sequence and tweak them did you know like I'd be curious to learn more about their design process if that was an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hold on, isn't it? Oh, go on. I I'll bring this no, up that, later. That was the end of my oh. thought basically. <laughs> Isn't it a bit weird that, like, you don't get a single orb? For the later because, ones? Like, if you do a puzzle, you get, like, a few orbs. Yeah, in the beginning you get single orbs, and then eventually you get, like, tri-orbs, like, three at a time, and then eventually you get, is it, like, five and then eleven, or nine and then eleven, or something like that? Yeah, I don't... So what's the, what's the purpose of that? So, I think... It has to do with how they gate you at certain places. Um, like, there are certain times where they want you to be able to go if you got just a few of the puzzles, uh, but not all of them. They want you to be able to go through this door. And the way they control, I want to make sure that you got these puzzles, uh, at, you know, at least one of these hard puzzles is they make the hard puzzles worth more so that in order to have the correct total you have to do at least one of the hard puzzles. Something to that effect? Yeah, that's, that's probably my, it. That's my best guess, anyway. You can yeah. skip, like, do... I did, like, the 90 door before the 60. Yeah. But there's yes. probably some point they don't want you to... Yeah, I think there's sometimes where they like they want you to be able to go through certain doors and not others, and I think they control that by making the the, the puzzles worth steadily more and more orbs. Yeah, because I know that those three doors, like the it was like a forty, sixty, ninety, or something like that. Like that, those didn't matter because the objective was just you have to get into all these rooms and disable the the solar or uh, disengage the solar panels. So yeah. it's like, it doesn't matter what order you do them in, you just gotta do them. Yeah, so you might as well just do them all and before you open any of them. Yeah. Although I think you and have to... the follow-up question is, why is there a gate? Because they don't want you to go there immediately? Like yeah, but like, between... Why is there a gate 
to the first solar panel and to the second solar panel. Why don't they you, just have you, one gate? Yeah, one gate. Security, probably. <laughs> they don't. They don't want just any <laughs> schmuck being able to go in there, and you gotta prove that you can solve the puzzles before you uh, gain the privilege of, of judicious use of your uh, allotted orbs for the day. Yeah. Um, I I assume it's to give you a sense of progress, of like progression. Just like, hey, I I got enough to do this thing, and I can do this thing now. Yeah. And I think in some cases, unlocking one of the solar puzzle or solar panels also gives you access to other puzzles, right? I think yeah, because I think so. like it's past yeah. it, it's like the solar panel plus a few more puzzles. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has that effect. Uh, I mean, I think it's paced in a way that works because I certainly felt. I always felt good about figuring things out and about progressing and about solving things to move forwards. Um, there were one or two spots in the b- beginning where it started to open up where I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to have to backtrack so much and like make sure I hit everything. But because parts of it are closed off, it does a good job of making sure that you're never like utterly overwhelmed. Like You have an opportunity to be like, okay, this is an area. You can complete this area before you move on to a different area. And, like, it's very clear, you never run out of goals in this game. Yeah. You can always check the map, here's an orb, I haven't got them, you teleport there, you go there, you do the puzzle. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty solid. They do, uh, they do a lot of cool stuff. And again, like, I cannot stress enough how, like, how much they get, how much variety they get over, like, basically one mechanic, pretty much. Two, I guess, I mean, including the gravity pads, but... They did the Portal 2 approach of adding mechanics to the puzzles. Yeah. Um, but even, so, my biggest problem with Portal 2 was that I felt like they didn't make enough use of their mechanics before introducing yeah. a new one. Yeah. Right? Like, they introduce something cool, and they give you, like, three or four puzzles on it, and then they introduce the next cool thing, and you're like, wait, but I could have done, like, 20 other variations on this one thing you just taught me, and, like, I, I know how to use this now. Like, let me prove that I know how to use this. And the swapper absolutely lets you prove that you know how to do the thing. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, you you figured it out in the first thing, like, how this gun works. Now do 50 puzzles that all do a variation on this thing. Yep. That's great. Oh, one thing I lacked um, was uh, an ability to reset the puzzle. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all of If you're the... stuck at some puzzle and then you go like, oh, I made a clone. Now I have to go back to the entrance yeah. to kill him. Yeah. Most of the time, it's fairly quick to like go around and collect yeah. and kill all your clones. But yeah, there's one or two that could have been better for sure. Um, and I guess we should mention we didn't actually say mechanics-wise. If you run into one of your previous clones, it automatically destroys that clone. Oh yeah. In a yeah. kind of messy-looking way, like they fall apart into pieces. Yeah. Uh, and they like the the swapper gun that they carry just falls to the ground. Yeah. Like, that doesn't... Nothing that happens does, to that. It's just yeah. there as a reminder yeah. of your sins. Yep. So, a lot of the game, a lot of the puzzles are about figuring out ways to, like, run into your clone at the right time so that you can... Um, 
so so you can get rid of them so that you have a spare clone so you can shoot it somewhere else. Uh, and that in itself, it's, it's all variations on the same thing. It's like, how can I run into this clone? How can I drop this clone? How can I lift up this clone? How can I get a clone over here, like, while this timer is going down? How can I, you know, it's all... It's How all can very... I make these clones stop running off the cliff? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The clone uh, Wrangler, the game. And, and there are so many times you had to have, like put a clone on top of a like platform and figure out how to not how to keep it there. Drop down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the that was the thing that that stymied me on the final puzzle that I that I did. Um, was there was a, a thing I was supposed to do to keep a a clone from falling off the edge of a, a platform and I could not figure it out. It's the one with, where there's like a, a disconnected platform in the middle of everything that has one button on the top and one button on the bottom. Oh yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. I was stuck in that. Yeah, that's the that's the one I looked up and then was mad because it was the only puzzle left. <laughs> and I like I was like, I want to get to other puzzles because I'm tired of being stuck on this one for so long. And then there were no other puzzles. I was like, no You played yourself that was the puzzle where you had to like go back a bit, swap, go forward. Yeah. Or, like make a new one, swap, go forward, make a new one, swap, go forward. Yeah, exactly. Where you basically had to continually, like as you were moving one clone, keep destroying the other clones mm-hmm. and making new ones. Um, it was real hard. I, I'm I, like, if I had slept on it, I would have gotten it the next day. I just didn't realize it was the last one. Uh, but there was something else I was going to say. Oh, the one really nice thing I think they do is uh, when you're creating a clone, uh, they they do bullet time. They, like, mm-hmm. slow down the time in the game. And that makes it so that there aren't really very many things that are skill-based in the game. Like, you have time to line up the shot you're trying to line up to get the clone in the right place. Which is which is good because it's it's not a game that I feel like would benefit from having a lot of really like high precision skill tricks in it. Um, and usually, if you find yourself trying to do a high precision skill trick, you're usually missing something, and there's like an easier way you could solve the puzzle. Yeah, and there I think there are yeah. a lot of points like towards the end, especially when you have the gravity mechanic introduced, where it would just be a nightmare because so many of the of the maneuvers are like step into the gravity swap thingy and then immediately drop a clone like before you fall too far out of range or something <laughs> which, yeah. which uh would have not been fun at all if they did not do the bullet time thing yeah if you had to do it in real time yeah no that would be bad and lets you fly yeah, yeah and it lets you fly by continually making clones higher up in the air yeah yeah or the puzzle where you you're supposed to wait for a timer. Mm-hmm. So you're supposed oh, yeah, to yeah. make clones midair. Yeah, that's the first. Yeah, basically you're hovering using the cl- recreate clone mechanic. That's basically the first one where they sort of teach you about flying. About like, hey, you can use the clone to be in midair for as long as you want. Yeah. Um, which is pretty cool. As long as they die. Yeah, as long as they're in a position where they die. Yep. And that's all that matters. <laughs> the ability to kill your clone. Yep. It's I wish pretty clones dark. could kill themselves. Yeah. Or like clones could kill other clones. Yeah, there's yeah, there's so many times where I needed a button that was like 
I can shoot at this clone. I want to just be able to shoot a ray that disintegrates this clone. And that would have gotten me out of so many puzzles. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But I guess that's the point. Yeah. I wonder if that's a mechanic that they had in there and then got rid of. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. But it's it's much it's much harder without that, and I think in a way that benefits the game. So mm-hmm. even Definitely. though it was frustrating, I'm ultimately glad that they didn't include it. Yep. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's all I got. Yeah, I think I think we uh, covered it pretty well, actually. I feel like Yeah, uh, so if you if you like puzzle games, uh, try this one out. It's got some real good puzzles. Extremely if, good puzzles. If you like spatial environmental puzzle games, because I know some people who like puzzles but don't like spatial puzzle games, and this is absolutely like a hundred percent spatial puzzle and games. I should play the witness and nothing else. <laughs> And, and Gyromancer. Yes. Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> what? I finished Gyromancer. Did you? Yeah, weren't you replaying Sunday. it a while back? Oh yeah, I remember that. Replaying it for the japes, I think, was... Wasn't that the word that we all liked? Japes that was in that game? <laughs> That's the yeah. one I remember. You're not jape me, sir. <laughs> uh. like, I even know jape was used as a verb. Why did you do that? <laughs> um, anyway. It's good. Try it out. Yes. And to be fair, I, like, I was not convinced when I first like saw the trailers of this that I was going to like this game, because it looked like a pretty generic indie puzzle game. And I'm like, I've done... like There's I've played Raid. Yeah, I've played Raid. I've played a lot of these indie puzzle games. Like, you know, seen one, seen them all kind of thing, but you know, there's a reason that it was very critically acclaimed, and I think it's it's definitely from a game design perspective, it's worth checking out. Yeah, I uh, think I think that's because um, I I had played some of this game like a long time back, and I think that's what uh, why I didn't finish it in the first place was I was like, okay, well, this is puzzles, cool, mm-hmm. it's puzzles, and I didn't get far enough into it to be like, this is puzzles, but also they try to justify it in a way that's kind of cool. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I actually finished it this time around. Yeah. 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 Alright, so, next game we're gonna play, not really a puzzle game. Not really a puzzle game, and not really even a game, but in fact, two games! Oh! We're doing we a, uh, <laughs> yeah. Pulled the rug out from under your right? expectations there, didn't we? Right, I can be your angle or your devil. Um... <laughs> time we've done a, a double feature since we did the four in February uh, two, two times two a couple years back um, for our next games we will be doing a nice little compare contrast uh, for our, our ACT tests of uh, Dear Esther and What Remains of Edith Finch looking at sort of an early example possibly like the seminal sort of genre-defining example of the walking simulator in Dear Esther, uh, and then looking at sort of the progress of the genre uh, that has taken place 
between then and uh, well, last year, I guess, when uh, What Remains of Edith Finch came out, and then won a bunch of awards. So, so kind of the, the progress of a genre over the course of about five years or so. Yeah. And a lot of people got mad over those games. Yeah, people are so upset when walking simulators became a thing. Where they're like, that's not a game, it's unfair of you to call it a game. And it's like, okay, so don't call it a game, it's still an interesting experience. Is that is that debate uh, dead? I hope so. Mm. I, feel, I feel like and I have... And there's probably still some, really. like... So I've been actually updated with the recent articles by real people, mm-hmm. um, and like the game definition debate is never going to end. I guess that's true, but that's I, fine. I think and, uh, I feel like I was a reading lot... like a meta study of it, of like sixty different studies, and it was like none of these agree with one of the other. <laughs> so there's I'm... not a single one that agrees with anyone else. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm going to quote Tracy Fullerton on this uh, for a moment because she is she's the head of the USC Games Lab mm-hmm. games program. Um, yeah, she's great. Uh, she is also like the queen of pragmatism. Like she's an incredibly pragmatic person, which makes her like a great person to work in like teaching game design. Um, and her because this discussion always comes up in academic circles, the like how do we actually define a game? Um, her stock answer is that the definition should be useful for whatever discussion you're having at the moment. Like, the definition should be based on what you're trying to communicate about games in the current conversation that you're having, right? So it's it's not... We don't need a single universal definition because that is not useful to anyone. Um, we should have a definition that... You know, like, if I am going on Steam and looking for games, you know, does the thing that is on Steam meet what I am looking for? You know, or what a general person who comes to Steam is looking for, right? Like, the definition is is not relevant in a vacuum, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's pretty much the new... Consensus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, but that's, it, that still causes problems later on. But yeah, I think that's about where it has to sit because otherwise, you just spend all your time coming up with like meaningless semantics, and it's like it. This doesn't serve anyone, <laughs> right? Yeah. And or you had to for school read Wittgenstein and like. <laughs> yeah. Early, no one wants to do that. Like, Philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I am definitely getting flashbacks to my mandatory art philosophy class, where I spent an entire semester arguing with people about what art is. What is art? Being fo- I, I didn't even want to argue. I was being forced to argue, and that's the worst. <laughs> yeah. Like you, the the time that that becomes relevant is like, okay, we're offering an arts grant. Like now, prove to me that the thing you're doing is art. Honestly, the only thing I really remember from my art philosophy class is uh, Clive Bell and that Clive Bell sucks. And here's why Clive Bell sucks, okay? And this was, like, the only thing that we all agreed on in my class is that Clive Bell sucks. And his definition of art is that if it is at all representational, it is not art. Art can only be, like, abstract, uh, an abstract means of evoking an emotion. Man, fuck that guy. Yeah, right? We all... And, like, 
I think a good portion of our class was animators and uh, illustrators. Uh, <laughs> so none of us, none of us agreed with that assessment. So yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway. <laughs> yes. So we're gonna play things that maybe you call them games, maybe you don't. It doesn't matter. They're interesting, and we're gonna see what's interesting about them. Yeah. Should be a should be a good time. I am. I am curious. I actually don't really know that much about what remains of Edith Finch. I have. I have only like the vaguest of instincts that these things are basically related. We might discover that they're actually very, very different from each other. Uh, who knows? It's about finding out what remains of Edith Finch. Yes. <laughs> yes. I guess so. Um, I get, so I get we're going to find that out. Yeah, I get the we'll sense you know. that uh, Edith Finch is a little more gone home. Than, yeah. than Dear Esther, which is uh, a kind of abstract at times, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Survey of the survey of the walking simulator. Mm-hmm. Please join us and come if you have feelings on it. Um, come onto the podcast and join us next week and share those opinions because yeah. we like hearing people's opinions on things. Opinions and are these, good. The reason we're doing both of these is because they're pretty short like ones they're like one hour and two hours respectively or something like that so so yeah we will probably be able to get through both of these games multiple times if we if we want to do that oh speaking of which uh i did look up on the swapper uh did you know there's like 10 hidden rooms with extra logs in the game i had seen that and i didn't care enough to um (laughs) to because the way that the checkpoint system works is that once you get to the end of the game, you can't just, like... You can't go back. You can't go back, yeah. So uh, I didn't care enough to go through all of those puzzles that I had already solved again. Yeah. But I, I did see that there were that there were secret, yeah. I looked up, secrets. I looked up the logs that... If there had been extra puzzles, I might have done it again, but... Um, there's there's just like some extra logs hidden in those rooms, but I was disappointed because like I finished the game and I looked and there were like a bunch of Steam achievements. There's ten achievements and none of them were unlocked. And I'm like, but I finished the game. What did I miss? And I'm like, oh, there's like ten hidden rooms you can find. It's like, all right, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, FYI, if you listened to this and it made you want to play the Swapper, there's some hidden rooms there, and you gotta do them before you open the last gate, which is the 124 Orbs Gate. There's some hidden rooms, and then there's also um, that room with the six Watcher Stones that are all kind of speaking gibberish. If you visit those those stones uh, before before the the scientist clone amalgam of you uh, tries to swap with the Head Watcher, they have different dialogue, and some other some other Watchers have different dialogue. That's the that's the one where like each. Each watcher says a single word, and all of the words together are "Please just take us all home." Oh, which is the sad one. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Okay. Well, we did it. We played the game. We played the game, and we talked about it. Yep. Let's talk about how you can contact us. Yes. Hello. I am on Twitter <laughs> uh, at Kelso Time Bomb. Also at K Time Bomb Art, which is uh, there will be something there eventually. I'm I'm trying to overhaul my portfolio, which is like just a lot of work that I'm yeah. that I'm not really posting right now. 
Um, and also, if you want to keep updated on the podcast, you can find us at Feedback Force. Yeah, sometimes we forget that one. Yeah. Um, I am at Kyla underscore go on Twitter. Um, I'm also on twitch.tv slash cage tiger, spelled with a K. Um, I am not currently playing a game because I just finished Star Fox 64 and forgot to put up like a poll for what game I should do next. So I didn't have anything to play this weekend. Uh, so I'm going to hopefully put that up this week. So, you know, uh, find me on Twitter and you can vote on which game I should play next on my nostalgia themed game stream. Nice. Yeah. And I'm Carl. You can find me on Twitter at Skug3. I think the problem, Carl, is that whenever you say that, you always end it with a rising intonation that sounds like you're about to also say something else. And then Maybe. there isn't another part. Maybe they're only for people who can hear psychic thoughts. Get whatever the second half of what Carl is saying. Yeah, stone people. <laughs> yeah, only stones. <laughs> Or, or like maybe you're doing at a really high pitch. So only dogs, <laughs> only dogs know what you're up to on Twitter. Yep. Which right. honestly is not a bad tactic. It's a pretty good <laughs> idea. You're you're thinking thinking straight there, my friend. I'm not a dog person. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, never mind. Bats, bats. Then. I'm definitely not a bat person. Oh, I like bats. Why not? Bats are awesome. No. You're like rats. I like rats, rats too. You're so cute. Have you oh, not just really. seen a photo of a not flying bat? They're adorable. Uh, anyway, we should probably go before this gets yes. too much more. Yeah, we're going to spend the next hour arguing about uh, bats. Uh, but you don't have to listen to that. All you have to do is go play Dear Esther and What Remains of Edith Finch and then come back in two weeks and uh, join us to talk about it or maybe just listen in on the conversation. So yeah. we will see you then. All right. Bye, everybody. Farewell. Bye. Bye.